You're listening to WHTT Speaks Out. Each week, Chuck Carlson and members of We Hold These Truths look into events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events to get free and periodic updates to this program and our other interesting programs. Be sure to enter your email address in the subscribe to WHTT box on the right side of our website, WHTT.org. And now, ready, set, let the sparks fly. In today's WHTT Speaks Out, we're going to be talking about a, uh, I think it's a new concept anyway, we're going to entitle this Christian Wahhabism, the new cult for war on Iran. And so Iran has been a target of the United States for many years. We've even had evangelical Christians like John Hagee actually call for preemptive strikes against Iran. They've been demonized and Chuck got interesting information about a contingency of people that met with the uh, Saudi prince in Saudi Arabia. So Chuck, why don't you tell us a little bit about this concept, first of all, of Christian Wahhabism and maybe even what the heck is Wahhabism? Okay, good notion. And before I launch into that, explaining Wahhabism, let me tell you the reason that we're doing this. We have long anticipated that Iran was a war target for violence, bullets, and bombs in the Middle East. We've just noticed that as a result of the vitriolic hatred that's been whipped up against it constantly and the statements that have been made about the Iranian government. In fact, we don't know a lot about it. I haven't been there, but we do have a pretty good history of noticing who is about to be taken over in these warring efforts that we've been engaged in for the last 18 years. And we want to condition people to the idea that we need to turn down the notion of another war against anybody. We are, of course, trying to seek God's kingdom through peace, and war is not our objective, and we can sense these things coming. In this paper, I have explained a little bit about some of the reasons for wars that people ask me about, and of course the idea that there's economic motive behind every war. Either there's something the other guy has you want to take away from him, and therefore you bomb him, take it over, and set up a way to harvest it. Or uh, he's doing something to you that you want to stop in the way of competition. And then in some cases, we have engaged in wars simply because our politicians need one. They have buried us in so much debt in our previous wars that people are beginning to revolt against it, maybe revolting in the marketplace where uh, people don't even hear about it, but it's going on. And the answer to keeping an economy floating that has been buried in debt to pay for previous wars has always been find another war that you can justify and somehow create and then engage in for another four or five years. How long, for instance, have we been in Afghanistan? We are still occupying Iraq. So these wars don't end our leaders have learned how to insulate us from the pain of watching our own kids go get killed. 
So you now can have young men enlist in the Army, and they're recruited to be, quote, warriors in the latest ad I saw, but they really don't engage in much in the way of risky war. The chances of them coming back with a leg blown off or killed in action are pretty skinny. The damage is, is now arranged so that it's the other people that do the suffering. So we detect that our financial situation, our fiscal situation in our country is, is dire, and that uh, one way to approach that is to suck it up and clean up our act and go back to being a peace-loving people that produces and lives on what they can produce. And then the other way is to instigate another war against someone so that we can spend another $8 trillion of taxpayers' money on weapons and keep it going for four or five years until the current politicians are safely out of office and someone else has the problem to face of more debt and no way to pay it. This is where our country is arriving as a result of our warring activities. And we have long known this and understood it and talked about it, but people don't understand it very well. So we see the potential war on Iran as an economic one, where it isn't really that we are trying to steal their oil, though they have a lot of it, but there seems to be enough oil in the world. The objective is to forestall and continue the warring posture that has kept our economy booming and floating for the last 17 years in the face of some very questionable situations economically and fiscally in our government. This is at the root of the story that we've written, and we talk a little bit about the economics of it, but we don't go into much detail. What we noticed that triggered this story was Mike Evans and his entourage going over and extolling the Saudi Arabian government, which is clearly the partner with Israel in the U.S. military operation against everybody else. So you now, if you look at the Middle East, you now have the other countries that have resources. You have Israel that doesn't have resources. You have Saudi Arabia that, that does. And Saudi Arabia and Israel are becoming closer and closer partners in the war scene in the Middle East. And this little episode with Mike Evans being royally entertained by the Saudi dictatorship, and it is a dictatorship. And uh, we talk about the Wahhabism, that is the accepted theology of the Saudi Arabians. And it is the only country in the Middle East that accepts Wahhabism on a national basis, Wahhabism being a violent dictatorship that allows for extinguishing anybody who doesn't cooperate. So it has a lot in common with some of the other violent dictatorships that we have heard of, and it is totally at odds with the Sunnis and the Shiites that make up the rest of the Muslim population around the Middle East. And Israel, strangely enough, we compare Israel in a way to Saudi Arabia because Israel is a state without a moral position. Their religion is a pretext the vast majority of the government and its leaders are not religious, they're secular. They have a lot in common with Saudi Arabia. And the most important thing is they're both favored by the United States government. 
In this little article, we talk about one of the tricks that's just been pulled off financially to fool the American people, uh, where we just read that Boeing company has sold a batch of F-15 fighters to Israel to be delivered in the future. And Israel is being allowed to manufacture some of the parts so that they actually earn back cash providing parts back to the Boeing company. And what we pointed out in our article is that Israel never pays for any of the armaments that they've been provided. All of it is given to Israel in the form of foreign aid from the United States. The current plan is $3.8 billion a year in armaments from the United States. So in the case that we're talking about here, they buy some F-15s from Boeing Company. Boeing lets them make parts and sell those back for cash. The United States provides Israel with a foreign aid package that they don't have to pay back that allows them to pay for the F-15s in the first place. And the U.S. taxpayers end up being soaked for the entire deal. In addition to that, instead of American factories building these parts for the F-15s, they're now being built in a factory that will be constructed in Israel. So you get the picture of how the money is flowed to Israel to make war. Israel's armed with F-35s. That's the newest and most powerful Lockheed aircraft. They just got a delivery loan, substantial delivery. They've had F-15s for a long time and they're just buying more. None of this is needed to subdue the Palestinians who are unarmed and have nothing to fight back with, homemade rockets and homemade bombs and fire and whatever they can manufacture in their backyard. So we, of course, give no aid to the Palestinian people whatsoever anymore, not even humanitarian aid. This is part of the scheme that we talk about here, the money scheme that we talk about in this paper. And at the bottom line, here comes Mike Evans trekking over there, and we now find to our surprise that Mike Evans has written a book in which he condemns the leadership of Iran in the worst way and compares them to Hitler. The name of his book that he's selling is The New Hitler. It's designed to destroy the government of Iran and, of course, with it, the people of Iran, as we've always seen. So here we have what appears to be a scheme of Saudi Arabia and Israel getting together, focusing on potential war with Iran that's debated every day. And then we have religious leaders who are devout Christian Zionists. And it turns out that Mr. Evans is a self-proclaimed Christian Zionist. He calls himself a Christian Zionist. We decided he needs a new name, so we thought maybe we should call him a Christian Wahhabist. Now, as for Wahhabism, it has a long history of brutality and can be studied. And we quoted one of many articles available that was in the Huffington Post, and they talk about Wahhabism and its history and its brutality, and of course the fact that it is a total dictatorship. And so we've quoted a little bit about Wahhabism in here, and we will probably write a little bit more about that. So this is the nature of the paper that we've just put together, and we hope you'll take a serious look at it. We hope you'll ask your pastor if he's a Christian Zionist or is he a Christian Wahhabist. And see if he knows what the two are, and we hope that you'll each learn what a Wahhabist is, and 
that we will do our part to prevent what we think is a very possibly an occupation war of Iran. Of course, some of you probably remember that at one time Iran was a U.S. clone. It had a leader, a president, I think he called himself the president, who was American educated and was put in in a revolution by the Americans in about 1950. His name is Shah Pahlavi of Iran. So Shah Pahlavi of Iran was overthrown in the 1970s by the Iranian government and the people that put him in to run the oil patch in Iran, of course, have never appreciated that and never liked the Iranian government very much since they got rid of Pahlavi. So that may be a little history that enters in. As for details of Wahhabism, Wahhabi was a desert rat in the area of the present state of Saudi Arabia, out in that big desert patch. There was no oil at the time. They scratched out a living and lived off the land. And there were a scattered tribes in the 1930s, 40s, 50s. And Wahhabi was a tribal leader who declared himself the grand leader of all time and uh, came up with this very violent offshoot of Sunni Islam that was named after him. This is the origin of the Wahhabi religion, not very important. The one country in the Middle East that, that has Wahhabism as its official religion is Saudi Arabia. Well, I think it's interesting, Chuck, particularly this Mike Evans, his organization is called Jerusalem Prayer Team. And looking at his Facebook page, he's got 51 million likes, which seems kind of unbelievable. But we do uh, know that Christian Zionism influences 40 to 70 million Americans. And so you mentioned his book, The New Hitler Band. This is really shameful that uh, alleged Christian is writing things like this. This is from description from the Jerusalem prayer team site, the new Hitler paperback, the greatest threat to peace and security in the world today, not just for Israel, but for every nation that does not subscribe to the twisted theology of Iran's extremist clerks is Ayatollah Khamenei of Iran. The supreme leader is a radical fascist in the mode of Adolf Hitler who hates the Jewish people and wants to see them exterminated and blah, 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 blah. And so it has been a concerted effort to uh, demonize Iran. And this was exposed, interestingly enough, for those people that may not have heard General Wesley Clark's comments back in 2007 about this was as early as September 20th, right after 911, that he had heard that there were plans to uh, go into attack Iraq. And then there were seven countries that, according to this plan back in the early 2000s, was to also include Iran as the last target. So if it had this plan, they've been on the radar for a number of years. Okay, this American delegation is quite interesting in, in and of itself and like, like why were they invited by the royal prince and that the, the makeup of the group is uh, kind of interesting it was led by joel rosenberg he's an evangelical political strategist and turned novelist 
He's Jewish. He writes a lot of stuff, prophecy for the end times and so forth. You can look him up. He lives in Israel at this point. And others in the delegation, former U.S. Congresswoman Michelle Bachman, Jerry Johnson, who is president and CEO of a national religious broadcaster, Michael Little, former president and a chief operating officer of the Christian Broadcasting Network, writer Mike Evans, Jamie Moore, a PR executive Larry Ross, Skip Heidzig, a New Mexico pastor, and former NRB CEO Wayne Pedersen. The Jerusalem Post, interesting, uh, they framed this meeting as unofficial ambassadors of an Israeli government that wants to ally with Saudi Arabia in confronting Iran. It's kind of what Chuck was talking about earlier. The war fever is just heating up, and the drums are starting to be beaten at this point. And so here we have Christian Zionists aligning themselves with the Saudi prince with Israel to get the common enemy, which will be Iran. And interesting, again, is uh, the Iranians are Persian. They're not Arabs nationality-wise, even though they're all Muslim in different sects, as Chuck described. So the White House didn't really say that they endorsed this meeting, but at the same time, you, you can just see the back channels working here. Well, I thought Trump out there dancing with the Saudis was enough to get all the evangelicals on board with siding with Saudis. I think that this is just another form of courtship to bring the Christians into this war and to get them comfortable with our allies, especially being Saudi Arabia. We're hoping, Christy, that by pointing out to Christians that this is also a pocketbook issue, that they will think a little bit more clearly about what it is that they're accepting. The whole point I was trying to make is that these Christian Zionists, they're not just involved about it financially. Their hearts are into it. They really believe they are doing something for God. And I was one of them, so I understand the motivation. I mean, I really thought I was supporting God's chosen people. Well, Mike Evans and his crew represented that they represented 60, I think it was 60 or 65 million people in America. And they're counting, of course, the membership of the Christian Zionist churches. However, I think all of us, when we were involved in the other side of this, when we were some, and somehow wrapped up, most of us, with some, some sort of a Christian Zionist church, we went along with it. Most of us went along, I went along with it, because I really didn't have a good argument why not to. But I had a gut feel about it all the time. And when I got information, I couldn't look the other way because I sensed that it was true. And I think in the case of that 65 million members of Christian Zionist churches, thought to be Christian Zionist churches, I suppose are counting the entire Southern Baptist Convention, which is about probably about 15 million right now. So when Mike Evans say we have 60 million people behind us, he's talking about the whole Southern Baptist Convention. But there are a lot of Southern Baptists who are like I was. They need someone to show them a little logic why they should challenge what they're being taught. So that's the bright spot in all this, Christy. And you saw it. You needed something to, to cause you to think about it further. And Absolutely. Uh, we also want to show a logical position to the people who are not in Christian Zionist churches. In other words, we're seeing good things happening in churches like the United Methodist Church that sponsored Christ at the checkpoint where we met each other. 
I see some things in Lutheran churches that are really quite positive, and we want to provide them with information and arguments. Quite often, they have good instincts that are telling them there's something wrong with the Christian Zionist position, but they need simple and logical arguments. So in a lot of cases, if something is just wrong from a financial point of view, and you can see that, it helps you to question why it has so much support. Thanks for listening. If you like this program, please let your friends know about it and our other thought-provoking podcast. And be sure to visit our website, whtt.org, for a wealth of information on Christian Zionism and other critical issues that we face. Also at whtt.org, you can watch for free our award-winning documentary film, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Join us in our efforts to wake the town and tell the people. Start small, think big, and press on towards the straight gate.